have a seat. Thank you so much. Malcolm, Amanda, Sherry, Erna, Jackie, Cheryl. I think Ella was up there helping too. Thank you so much for leading us today. It's good to be back. I was gone, well, I was all in this week, but you know, the week before, I was gone up north visiting family, some friends, and it was, it was great to be back. Do you realize uh, when you got here this morning that you were participating in an ancient tradition? Whether you're young or old, whether you've been doing the church thing a long time or church is still kind of new to you, the fact that you showed up this morning means that you're joining in on, on a tradition that stretches back thousands and thousands of years. What is that, you may ask? Listening to someone preach. Yeah. Getting together as a group to hear someone give a message from the Scripture is something that goes back a long, long time. Christians have gathered, people of faith have gathered to hear what God has to say and in particular to to receive a message through someone that has maybe done some study or received the word from the Lord. So so you're here today and you're part of that tradition. (laughs) Some of you are thinking, I'm not much of a traditionalist. Well, sorry, slipped that one past you, I guess. People have been doing it for a long time. Preaching can take a lot of forms. You know, there's a lot of different kinds of preaching. There's, 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 let's be honest, there's good preachers and there's bad preachers. There's, there's preachers that really focus a lot on storytelling. There's preachers that get up and it's more like a lecture. There's preachers that talk short time and then there's preachers who talk longer. Lots of different kinds of preaching, but really at its core, preaching is when God's Word is proclaimed in the power of the Holy Spirit by a follower of Jesus. That's kind of its, in its simplest form. And it has power. There's something about when God's Word is preached. It has power to change lives. And that's really why we, we do this every week. We, some of you, I know actually, it astonishes me, some of you actually have already heard a sermon today. Do I need to ask for a show of hands? How many have actually already listened to a sermon today? Are there going to be any, anyone? Raise a hand. I see two hands. I see another two. Come on. A few more. Yes. Some of you actually tune in to far better preachers than me. And then you come and sit here and listen to me preach. I feel bad for you. Uh, You tune in and listen to some other sermons from usually folks down in the States or maybe in Toronto. I'm not sure. But there's something powerful about that, right? There's something powerful about about the preached Word of God. And that's because when we come to, to learn, to listen, we do this because there's something in this that leads to transformation in our lives. There's something about when we open ourselves up to God's Word being preached that transformation can occur. Uh, The great apostle Paul, he wrote at the very start of his letter to the Christians in Rome that he was eager, this is his quote, eager to preach the gospel to them and that he was completely unashamed about this good news about Jesus. That's uh, the death, the resurrection, the ascension, the fact that Jesus was ruling and reigning, that he was Lord, that he was totally unashamed to preach this good news in the very center of their society, Rome, right? Where there was, oh, by the way, another guy down the street who thought he was the Lord and Savior of the Roman Empire. His name was Caesar. So he was coming in, he was utterly unashamed of this, why? He writes because the gospel, in Romans 1.16, a familiar passage to some of you, is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. 
Preaching the good news about Jesus changes history because it changes the lives of men and women and boys and girls. It's been doing that for centuries and continues to do that as people come to understand God's love for them, God's forgiveness, God's purpose. Uh, The most famous of Jesus' disciples, the Apostle Peter, he wrote also about the power of the preached word. In in 1 Peter 1, 21-25, we read this. Not all of it's on the screen. The first part isn't, and then we'll come to it. It says, Through Christ, you've come to trust in God, and you've placed your faith and hope in God. Why? Because He raised Christ from the dead and gave Him great glory. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now, and it gets really practical here, you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. And then he comes to it. For you have been born again. Sometimes That's a familiar term to some of us, unfamiliar. This idea of rebirth. You've been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. It's not like you've just been resuscitated, but you're going to die in a little while anyway which even if it's a number of years, you're going to die anyway. It's not that kind of, it's not a resuscitation. You've been born again. It's a new life. And your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living Word of God. As the Scriptures say, and he quotes the Old Testament here, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers, the flower fades. Then he gets to the point he's trying to make. But the Word of the Lord remains forever. And that Word is the good news that was preached to you. People came to understand this good news as they heard it preached by His people coming out from Jerusalem, right? The book of Acts. Coming out from Jerusalem, filled by the Holy Spirit, telling people the good news. And as people heard the good news, proclaimed to them, preached to them. The language of preaching sounds now so religious, but the original meaning of that word was like a proclamation of a king, a proclamation of A war that's been won. Good news, right? As they heard the good news about Jesus, people came to faith. They were cleansed of their sins. They were born again. There's power when the Word of God is preached. Well, preaching the Word of God and hearing the Word of God preached forms this dynamic core in Christian community. It's central to what we do, but it's central to what Christians have done and continue to do the world over and down through history. Together, people hear and respond to the good news of God's lordship, God's love, God's life, God's power. The fact that God knows us. The fact that God is with us. The fact that there is hope. And so today, uh, it's kind of an odd sermon. It's kind of like a book I have on my shelf that the title of the book is How to Read a Book. And you wonder, how does that work exactly? But today, we're going to take a step back and ask, how do we actually listen to sermons? How do we do this thing well? How can we very simply become more effective as listeners to the preached Word of God? You know, the call to listen is all over in the Bible, particularly in the teaching of Jesus. He's always saying to people, listen, turn your ears on, open up. Can you hear it? And, and, and you hear this theme through all over the place. And he often even uses that phrase, if anyone has ears to hear, let them hear, Right? And, and, and it's being thrown out there, but really can only be received by those who can hear. And so this call to listen comes down through the pages of Scripture and to us today because hearing can be difficult, right? There's, there's a lot of things that compete for the airwaves in our lives. 
There's a lot of things that compete. Things are noisy. We are constantly being barraged by images, by words, by news, by, by information. These, all these things can crowd out the message that God has for us. We live in a, a media-saturated world. We're, we're, we're surrounded by pressures. We live busy lives. And frankly, some of us have a hard time focusing on one thing for more than a few minutes. And then, and then you do that all week and you come here Sunday morning and you're expected to listen to me drone on or whoever it is for like an extended period of time and, and, and somehow stay focused. And for some of us, that's really tough because nothing in our lives requires that out of us. It's like, a, it's like really become almost counterculture. We, we move from, from image to screen to, to the latest song to Facebook and back to the road in front of us, let's hope, at a speed that prevents us from just sitting and listening and soaking in for any length of time the Word of God. And then on top of that, sometimes the messages we get are kind of confusing. I'm talking about sermons now. Sometimes they're maybe a bit boring or even seem irrele- irrelevant to our, to our lives. We all come from different places. Some of us are new, and so what's said either doesn't match with what we understand, or we're just trying to put pieces together, and and we can get lost. Some of us are old, and we've been there, done that, heard it too many times. Some of us might be, frankly, just a bit of bored. Some of us come, and we're kind of angry, and maybe something that's said kind of sets us off. Some of us are just downright confused, and all these things can prevent us from really hearing what God wants to say to us. And then some of us have just had a really long week. You know those kinds of weeks? I see you out there, by the way. You think I don't see you nodding your head? Actually, I don't. I think you're going, amen. But some of us, we've had a long week, right? And you're tired. And you're not sure. And some of us, well, frankly, we feel a little bit like Mr. Bean in church. Take a watch. Okay, can anyone relate to that? Yeah. Some of us a little more than others, perhaps. So it kind of raises the question, how do we... I love that video because did you actually hear the preacher in the background? (laughs) I love it. You've got to watch the whole clip if you want to really enjoy the musical aspect of that video, but uh, we couldn't uh, do that today. But yeah, so how do we listen effectively? That's the question I have for us this morning. How do we become better at Listening to sermons. I mean, if you're going to come to church on a regular basis, let's get the most out of it, right? I mean, why just, you know, come and put in the time without really enjoying and and, and experiencing all that God has for us here? Now, I work actually quite hard at preparing uh, sermons, at preaching as effectively as I can. I actually want to be the best preacher that I can be for Jesus, for you, and for this church. And that's one of my commitments to you. I work many hours a week preparing messages. I take professional coaching for preaching. I read about preaching. I listen to other preachers so that I can continually improve and be the best preacher I can be for you. Um, and uh, that doesn't mean I'm always great, but that does mean I'm trying to improve, and that's my commitment to you. But the truth is, we both bear responsibility in this preaching experience. I, or whoever's preaching, is responsible to preach the Word of God accurately, skillfully, with integrity, right? To ask God to fill us with the Holy Spirit and speak through us. We're responsible for that. But really, that's only half the experience. You, too, are responsible. Very responsible. So let me ask, how do you do it? 
How do you listen to sermons effectively? How do we hear God's word responsibly? I'd like to share four ways with you that I think will help a little bit, and maybe just one thing will strike you out of this little talk that will encourage you. I'm not sure. But uh, toward the end, I'd like to hear from you. What, what helps you? So we will have a little bit of a Q&A discussion at the end, but particularly around this topic of how do we listen effectively. So four ways I want to share with you. First of all, that we start by listening prayerfully. We start by listening prayerfully. That we approach our times together with a sense that God is going to speak. Not just to me, but that God is going to speak to us. And we pray about that. We actually ask God to speak. We say, Holy Spirit, I want to hear you speak. I want to know what you are saying to us as a body, to us as a church. I want to know what you're saying to me about my life. And so I'm, I'm saying, I'm giving you permission. I want, I want you to do in me what you want to do. So you ask God to do that. I, I ask very uh, straight up for you to pray for me. To pray for me through the week as I'm, as I'm studying, as I'm, as I'm reflecting, as I'm wrestling and trying to put stuff together and trying to think of how this could best be communicated to us. That you pray for me, that I have integrity in my heart, that I have integrity in my study, that you pray for me on those weeks when there's been lots of stuff going on, sometimes in people's lives, that needs real attention. And as a result, I don't get the kind of time I like to get for for study, for preparation. Um, I need your prayers. That's the truth of it. And so part of listening and approaching the, 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 the Sunday morning gathering prayerfully is actually praying for me. But also praying for yourself, self, as I already said, that you pray that you would be open to what the Holy Spirit is saying. And then I encourage you to pray for each other. To pray that we would be open here. To pray for your brothers and sisters. To pray for people who are maybe coming to our church that aren't so sure about this whole Jesus thing. Just, just to pray for us as we gather that we would hear what God is speaking, what God is saying. Psalm 119.18 says, Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. That can be our prayer as we approach our sermon times, our gathering times. And we do a lot more than just sermon Sunday morning. We come to worship God. We come to have communion with one another and with the Lord. Uh, That's all. But, But this forms one important part of that, right? And so as we approach our times together uh, in this context Sunday morning, let's approach prayerfully. I think it starts, starts there. The second one is that we listen attentively. Now, obviously, that's kind of what we're talking about. But more specifically, I think it's something we need to, to work on because we're such distracted people that there's sometimes there's things that prevent us from listening attentively. You know, some of you really, really resonate with that that dog in the, in, the, in the show Up? You know the one I'm talking about? The one that he's always talking about something and all of a sudden he goes, Squirrel! Because he gets distracted by the, well, the squirrel. And then he'll just come back talking to you. you know? it's, it's a great image and I know some of you use that uh, as a way of explaining your, your tendency to bounce around. But, but some of us, we need a little more help. You know, one of those things is to try to eliminate some of those distractions. Do what Sherry does which is sit in the front. Because some of you, you know what? You are really distracted if someone gets up and leaves. Someone nudges the neighbor. If a kid's walking. You're just a really distracted person. You, you kind of, you're the kid who hung around, didn't want to go to bed at night because you thought you might miss something. And, and by sitting at the back, you kind of get a sense of everything that's going on. But as a result, you're really distracted, right? 
So one of the things you can do to listen more attentively is to eliminate distractions. Sit closer to the front. Leave your phone at home. Dress in more comfortable clothes. I don't care. But do something that would eliminate the distractions. Whatever that would take for you. Another one that helps us listen attentively is to open up our Bibles. Now, part of that is bringing your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we can help you get a Bible. Um, Bring a Bible Sunday morning so that you can open it up and follow along as we're reading a certain scripture, especially when we're working through, like we're going to do again in August, the Gospel of Mark. When we're we're working through uh, a series or something like that, bring your Bible, open it up. Uh, read along and, and engage it. It'll keep you more focused. It will enable you to listen more attentively. And not just Sunday morning. I mean, that's important and that's great. But actually, probably what will enable you to hear more Sunday morning more attentively is that you're actually opening up your Bible during the week too. Not, you know, open it up, reading wherever you want to read, letting the Holy Spirit uh, fill you with His Word and speak to you directly through the Scripture. But also, like, for example, we're getting back into Mark's Gospel in, in August, that you read ahead, that you meditate on the passage that we're going to be looking at the next week so that you can begin to hear and begin to ask questions and begin to, to experience the text And then as we gather and you hear it preached, you're more ready. You're more engaged in it. So opening up your Bibles is really crucial. As you listen to a sermon, and um, you know, usually if you come to this church, you're going to be hearing me. But wherever you go, if you're part of another church or, or maybe you're just visiting this morning and you regularly attend another church. But as you listen to a sermon, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Try to identify what's the big idea that's going on in this sermon. Not what are the ten big ideas, because you won't remember them. What is the one big idea? What's the main point that I need to hear? What's the main truth that's coming through here? I mean, I actually try to have one point to my sermon. may not always feel like that, but I try. And, And so, can you identify what that main point is? Try to identify it. Try to say, okay, past all of this, I remember they showed a Mr. Bean clip. What was that about? Past all that stuff, What's the main idea here? What's the main point? Yeah, of the text, but particularly when you're hearing the word preach, what's the, what's the main point that the Lord has laid on the heart of the preacher and that they're trying to bring it out? Sometimes it's easier than other times. I admit that. Sometimes I pre- preach and probably don't know what the main point is. I, I get that. Sometimes you have to wrestle through like, whoa, I'm not even sure, I, I'm not even sure a main point was in there. I, I get it. But I think as we uh, listen prayerfully and if we listen attentively, we will always be able to glean something. Even from the poorest of preachers, God can speak, right? And there's a nugget, or maybe sometimes it feels like a crumb, but there's something in there that God wants to speak to us, that God wants us to hear. And so try to identify what is that main point that's going on. And if there are times when you are confused or maybe annoyed or perhaps even offended, I encourage you to give the preacher the benefit of the doubt. Now, that sounds a bit self-serving because maybe I'm the one offending you, but give the preacher the benefit of the doubt. Don't just assume, oh, man, he's talking about my life. Well, probably I'm not. Probably I'm not. No, uh, you know, if, if, you're, if you're offended by something or you're annoyed by something, you're confused by something, don't let it distract you so that you just become derailed at that point and you can't hear anything else that's said. Don't get hung up on something minor like, Oh, he, he said this passage, but he really read a different one. Or, you know, because sometimes when you're up here, things get confusing, I admit, right? You, you mess something up, you don't even know. Like last week, when I announced, or two weeks ago, when I announced there would be a potluck. 
that I didn't mean to announce. Anyway, uh, so uh, there's confusion all over that happens up here, right? And so give the speaker the benefit of the doubt. Assume that, okay, uh, uh, that was confusing, but uh, all right, maybe I'll ask later about it, but we're going to move on so that you can hear it. Keep focusing on the main idea. And related to that, okay, right now, everyone who's taking notes, put your hands up. Yes. Take notes. Take notes. This helps you, especially if you're a person who gets distracted. Now, if you're one of those, like, trained counselor types, or you're, you're the kind of type that really can hone in, and, man, you just take everything in, and you can repeat back verbatim without notes, then more power to you. But for most of us, taking notes helps us stay focused. And more than that, as you're taking notes, you can uh, not, not repeat, you know, write down everything that I'm saying or the preacher's saying, but maybe there is something particular that has come out. Maybe it raises a question for you. Or maybe there's something like, oh, I've got to explore this further. Or, or there's something the Holy Spirit identifies for you to pay attention to. Jot it down. As you think about trying to identify that main point, and you think, I think this is the main point, write it down. Maybe there's an image, uh, image that strikes you or a story that compels you, write it down. Maybe there's another scripture that comes to your mind, write it down. But take brief notes. It'll help you stay engaged. It'll help you listen attentively. The third one is to listen inquisitively. To engage the message that you hear with curiosity. I think that's so important. To ask questions of what you're hearing. I don't mean the cynical kind of questions. I don't frankly think cynicism is very helpful. But ask the kind of provocative questions, the kind of questions that tease out the meaning. To engage your mind in what's being said and what the scripture is saying and what God is saying with the kind of questions that will open things up. A questioning mind, I believe, is a learning mind. And we can learn the power of good questions. You know the people in your lives who are really great at asking questions around the dinner table, right? You have friends that, man, they're just so good at that. They can ask a question of some guy who never talks, and next thing you know, he's telling them all about their life. Or you know, you've watched a really great interviewer. And they have such good questions that they ask. And, and, and they, the way they ask the question, they, they're able to tease out so much more. I encourage you to, to learn how to ask those kinds of questions of the messages you're hearing. To not just be a passive recipient, but to, to engage it. What, what does this make me think? You know, we can ask simple questions, especially if we're maybe newer to the Bible or newer to the church thing. We can ask fairly simple but very good questions like, well, what does that mean? Like he said that name or he said that term. and I actually have no idea what that means. And so write it down. Ask a question. Find out the answer. That's how we learn and grow. Maybe you ask, what's the point here? Or what do I need to, under- what do I need to know to even understand what's being said? Like maybe there's a whole new set of language. I try not to use uh, lots of cliches and stuff, but maybe there's words that are thrown out that you're like, I don't know what that means. I'm totally unfamiliar with that. Ask. The only way we can overcome ignorance is by asking so that we can learn and grow. But there's also deeper questions that we can ask. Questions like, what's the one thing that I must do to respond to this truth? What's the one thing I must do to respond to this truth? Or how about this one? If I were to take this truth seriously, what would have to change in my life? If I were to take this truth seriously, what would have to change in my life? And then there's times when maybe there's something that does really provoke us or bug us or irritate us about the message. Maybe I said something wrong. Maybe I said something false where you go, that's not true. 
And, and you need to come to me afterwards about that. And because, hey, you know, we've got to do this together. And I, I can make mistakes, obviously. But maybe, maybe there's something in the message that just, it's convicting you. It's provoking you. You're, you're feeling offended and you're not sure why. To ask the question, why am I resisting this? Why do I want to push back from what I'm hearing? Why do I feel offended by this? To, to probe that, even emotionally, and say, what's going on inside of me that that irritates me so much? That's a really great question to ask. And then, how does this challenge us as a church? You know, how does this truth or this message, how does this um, inform our gatherings? How does this inform our mission as a church? How does this move us forward? How, what is this teaching us? How does, how does this, you know, provoke us as a church and how should we respond as a corporate community? These are the kinds of questions that I think we need to be asking as we hear the Word of God preached. Learn to listen inquisitively. And the fourth one is listen responsibly. Listen with the readiness to act. The image in my mind is the, is, is the runners at the start of an Olympic sprint, right? They get into position and they are ready to go at the moment they hear the starting gun go off, right? I think that needs to be our posture when we are hearing the Word of God preached to us, where we are just poised to respond, to act. Where we're not just listening passively, filling our big heads, but we're listening with an intent to move, with an intent to do something about it. Application is everything. Listen to the words of James in the letter that's called James, chapter 1, verse 22. He says, Do not merely listen to the Word. And so deceive yourselves. How can that happen? Because if we gather and we think, I did my bit this week. I heard God's word preached and now I'm done. The deception goes deeper and deeper. Where we think we're following Jesus. We think we're responding to God's word, but we're not doing anything with it. And we become deceived. He says, don't merely listen to the word. And so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Jesus says at the end of his Sermon on the Mount that the person who hears his teaching and applies it to their lives is like a person who builds a house on a solid foundation. That no matter what happens, they stand firm. And he contrasts it with those who hear it. Everyone's hearing it. Who hear it, but don't apply it to their lives. Don't do anything with it. Don't actually say, okay, Jesus, I hear how you're challenging my heart, my life, my habits. I hear how you're challenging my walk. I hear it, and I'm now going to respond. That's a person who builds their life on a firm foundation. I heard it once said that many Christians are, here's the quote, educated way beyond the level of their obedience. Anyone ever heard that quote? educated way beyond the level of their obedience. Now, some of us, I realize, newer to things might think, are you kidding me? I don't even know what's going on. Um, Okay, you're exempt. But for many people who have followed Jesus for many years, who've sat through literally hundreds and thousands of sermons, that many of us can be guilty of being educated beyond the level of our obedience, where we hear it too much without doing anything about it. That is a huge challenge. We have to become listeners who act. Listeners who respond. Listeners who are ready to do what we hear from Jesus with integrity, with courage. And to do that, I think we have to have that posture. But one thing I think can help, that when we hear the Word of God preached, 
that when we're coming toward the end of the sermon, we've, we've identified what the main point is, and we've heard the challenge of the preacher, that we also take that next step to write down what is the one concrete thing that I need to do in response to the truth that's been revealed. What's that action item? What is the next thing? And be really practical about it. Be really specific. Ask Jesus in that moment, Jesus, what do you want me to do in response to what I've heard from you? You know, who do I need to apologize to? Who do I need to go to and make things right? You know, is there some place I need to go and share the love of Jesus or reach out to a neighbor? Or what are you telling me in this, Jesus, that you want me to change? Or who are you calling me to pray for? What sin do I need to confess? What idol do I need to smash? What ministry do I need to actually serve in? Do I need to have to get up and do something? What habit do I need to learn or perhaps unlearn? Get really practical. Get really specific in asking, what is the one thing? Now, maybe there's four, but let's at least write down one. One thing, God, that you want me to do in response to what you've revealed to me. Get practical. Get specific. Write it down. I also encourage you as part of listening responsibly is that you begin to share with one another. Share with a trusted friend. Share around coffee time. Share what you're learning. Maybe you want to share your one action item. Maybe you want to share you know, what, 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 what you learned specifically today. But, but to be sharing what you're learning from God's Word more generally and then in our times together. It solidifies what you've heard. It holds you accountable. And it also dramatically affects your conversations with other people. Do you know that? If you begin to take, you know what? I'm, what I realized today? You know what I learned today? You know where the Holy Spirit spoke to me today? Your conversation is going to move way beyond the weather and how the kids are. And that's you know important because we need to know how the weather is and where our kids are. But it'll heighten the conversation. It'll deepen our friendships as we begin to share with one another what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. And then one last final point, and then we're going to talk, see what you have to say, is I actually think if you're a note taker, if you write your notes down and you write down this action item, that for most of us, like when we go to a conference, you jam those notes in a binder and you never look at them again, right? So here's a great practice that really helps. If you've jotted down a few notes, if you've jotted down an action item, that you either put it in your wallet or stick it somewhere where you're going to see it and look at it at least the next day, at least 24 hours later, Maybe morning breakfast or, or maybe you're, you're currently reading a, a book or maybe a Bible reading or whatever. But somewhere where you're going to see it and you look at it 24 hours later and you remind yourself of what the Spirit had said to you in the corporate community. What God had spoken to His people and how God had called you to respond. To be reminded of that will uh, help you so much. Not only remembering what you've learned but to be continually responsive to what God is saying. Okay, so those four things. Listen prayerfully, attentively, inquisitively, and responsively. But I want to ask you a question. And then, um, do we have someone that's able to walk around with a microphone?